Folks, have you checked out the Irish History Podcast shop recently? Right now, I have a sale of 30% off everything when you use the code SALE30. So go to irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash shop and get 30% off everything when you use the discount code SALE30. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Irish History Podcast. My name is Finn DeWire and this is Childhood in a Stately Home. I had planned to have the final episode of Fatal Feuds out this week but I ran out of time before heading off on holidays and I couldn't finish the episode. I have had this show on the back burner for a while though and it's on a topic that has an enduring appeal. From TV shows like Upstairs Downstairs through to Downton Abbey, the modern appetite for documentaries and series on the houses and lives of the aristocracy at the turn of the 20th century seems insatiable. In this podcast I'm going to look at what this world was really like. It's often sensationalised on TV, but when I was researching my series Secret Societies, Communism and Coal, Life in the Castle Comer Coalfields, I stumbled across a unique first-hand account of a childhood written by someone who grew up in one of these houses in the early 20th century. Florence Doreen Pryor Wandersford spent most of her childhood at Castle Comer House, a large stately mansion in North Kilkenny. Not long before she passed away in 1999, at the age of 94, she wrote a brief recollection of her childhood in a world that had disappeared by the late 20th century. Florence Doreen's fascinating account reveals life in a house where she and her siblings were served by a large live-in staff, met the British royal family, but also experienced tragedy in World War I. In order to contextualise Doreen's account, it's worth bearing in mind that her life could not be described as ordinary. Her family were immensely wealthy by contemporary standards in Ireland. They had at one time owned 20,000 acres of land in North Kilkenny. By the time of Doreen's birth in 1904, they had invested most of their money in a large coal mining operation in Castlecomer. You can hear the full story of Doreen's family and these mines in my series Castlecomer Communism and Coal. That's on my website, irishhistorypodcast.ie. But now, to Doreen's words about her childhood. 
I believe that I can remember back to the age of about four years. I was born on the 29th of June 1904 at my Granny Pryor's house at 37 Palmerstown Road, Dublin. So began Florence Doreen's account of her life. World War I, the 1916 Rising and the Irish War of Independence were all a world away as Doreen went on to recall her early years living in Castlecomer House. We were a family of five, three sons and two daughters. I was the youngest. My eldest brother Chris was about ten years older than myself and Ferd, or Ferdinand, was about nine years older. Vera was six years my senior and Dick, or Richard, was three and a half years older. Our household was a large one and my mother had about ten servants to look after. There was much entertaining in those days. The staff consisted of a housekeeper who lived mainly in what was known as the room with the storeroom next door. The butler joined her there for meals. Then there was the head housemaid and two other maids under her. The butler reigned in his pantry and had care of all the silver. Also the footman assisted him there. Both butler and footman waited at table in the dining room where all the food was carried from the distant kitchen but always arrived hot at table under large covers. There was also a boy under the butler who posted letters and ran errands. The kitchen staff consisted of the cook, kitchen maid and scullery maid. The latter did all the dirty work in the scullery. The governess had meals in the dining room with those of us who were old enough to leave the nursery. There was a gong suspended on a stand at the bottom of the front stairs and every evening this was sounded by the butler at seven. This was to alert family and guests that it was time to change for dinner. Then there was a second gong sounded at 7.30 announcing that dinner was ready to be served. We as children did not partake of this as we ate our high tea at 6pm. Our nanny, Jessie Allen, was a truly wonderful person and I adored her. It was almost like having two devoted mothers. She was Scotch and lived with us for more than 40 years, having come when my eldest brother was an infant. I remember Nanny weeping when the time came for her to leave us for her annual holiday to Scotland. Despite feelings of affection, interactions in the house between the servants and the family were strictly hierarchical and regimented. Doreen remembered. Each member of the family was addressed and referred to by all staff as Miss Vera or Master Dick. Our parents were the master and the mistress. In those early days there were two very important matters in everyday life. One was class and the other religion. Nowadays this all seems very bigoted but in those times it was not regarded as such. The upper class or gentry were respected by those in their service. I know that my parents were in this category that they quietly and unobtrusively helped those in many ways who were poor or less well off than themselves. Family prayers were held every morning in the dining room before breakfast, the family at one end of the room and those of the staff who were Protestant at the other. In what was very unusual for the time, the Wandersford family travelled extensively, including an annual hunting trip to their estates in Yorkshire. Florence Storing recalled, Each autumn the family migrated to Yorkshire in England for grouse shooting on the moors. We did not go to the family place which was an Elizabethan house named Kirklington Hall close to the village of Kirklington and not far from Beedale. A great uncle of mine lived there in that time. In addition to Kirklington Hall my father owned Hipswell Lodge near Richmond, Yorkshire. It must have been a big undertaking especially for my mother who had to entertain guests for big shooting parties sometimes at very short notice. About six of the staff were transferred from Castlecomer to Hipswell 
also horses and ponies for dining and hunting. Even the pony track was taken there to take us into Richmond town by the pony Black Prince. Despite growing up in this world, Doreen's account gives off the impression of a normal childhood filled with family rivalries. My father was very proud of my sister Vera and she always had the best of everything. She was also very talented. She played the violin extremely well and had the best of teachers. She also had the gift of painting. I'm sure my mother understood my feelings of inferiority and she was always so kind and understanding which made me feel more emotionally secure and happy. She also remembered the humorous occasions unique to their childhood. Dick was fond of playing practical jokes as, for instance, dropping metal items outside the dining room door so that my mother would think that Sewell, the butler, had dropped a tray of dishes en route from the kitchen to the dining room. He also, as a boy, enjoyed teasing me and in this Vera joined him. I can remember him pinning me with his arms against a wall and standing where my little legs could not reach his shins. Childhoods at the turn of the 20th century seemed a little simpler than that of 21st century children. Dick taught me to ride the bicycle the hard way. He seated me on the bike at the top of a grassy hill above the tennis courts and simply let me go, probably with a push. I careered to the foot of the hill and then of course fell. This was repeated many times until I could balance myself on the flat. Then he pronounced that I was ready for the road. This being so, I was taken to the summit of Smithstown Hill, which was long and very steep. I was told to follow Dick and not to touch my brakes, but I did so occasionally from sheer panic. In those days, of course, one could fairly safely rely on not meeting any traffic, certainly no motor cars. Dick was a very hard taskmaster, but I learned a lot from him. When we were old enough to ride ponies, the head groom would take us on a leading rein while he rode one of the hunters. I was never really taught how to ride nor how to care for the pony. There were no pony clubs in those early days, so we had to learn by trial and error. All things considered, it was most exciting and enjoyable, especially when I learned how to stay in the saddle over jumps. While most children in Castle Comer would not have had their own pony, some of the Wandersford's activities were unheard of in Ireland at the time. Doreen went on to reminisce. In the summer and Christmas holidays, there would be a large family gathering of cousins from England and Ireland. We had a wonderful time. There was a large heated indoor swimming pool where my father taught us all to swim and dive. I remember my brother Dick teaching me to jump from the springboard, then catch the swinging trapeze. I felt really accomplished when I had mastered that. In addition to the swimming bath, there was also an adjoining gymnasium with vaulting blocks. My father engaged an instructor from England to teach us various gymnastics when our cousins stayed with us. There were many cousins of our ages who came to stay during the holiday time and the instructor, Pape by name, also taught our male elders the art of jiu-jitsu. For Doreen and her entire generation, World War I was a defining moment in their lives and the Wandersfords were no different. Three members of the family went to fight in what was known as the 1914 war. Doreen sadly recalled, My eldest brother Chris was killed in action in 1917 during the 1914-18 war, aged 20. He was gassed in the trenches and carried as many of his men as possible out before collapsing himself. My second brother, Ferd, aged about 19, also served in the same war and came through those years without a scar, though I believe it harmed him emotionally. He used to suffer from nightmares after the war. 
His experiences must have been horrific, and on one occasion his CO who was standing beside him was blown to pieces. He received the DSO as he took command and led his men when his superior officers were killed. He was a born leader, very dedicated. My father joined up after some preliminary training in Kilkenny Barracks and was posted to France with the Royal Horse Artillery. Their job was to bring the ammunition, guns and supplies to those in the front. He was well over age when he joined the army and his health could not stand the rigours and cold of Flanders, so he was invalided out of the army and had to return home. While Irish independence in 1922 posed many challenges for families like Doreen's, the Wandersfords did remain living in Ireland. However, they maintained close ties to England. In 1928, Doreen was presented at court as a debutante, a rite of passage for women of an aristocratic background. In her account, Doreen remembered that day very fondly. When in my early twenties, I was presented at court by mother to their majesties, King George V and Queen Mary. As I courtesied to them, the Queen smiled pleasantly and looked truly regal. King George, however, looked decidedly glum and I felt he disliked the whole proceeding. I remember, as my father, mother and myself were driven along the mall before entering the gates of Buckingham Palace, and when stationary in a queue of cars, hundreds of onlookers were gazing into the cars to see the debutantes and parents in their beautiful clothes. Five years after being presented at court, Florence Doreen Wandersford married Edward Arthur Townsend in London on January the 25th, 1933. Townsend lived in what was then known as Rhodesia, modern Zimbabwe. They spent their honeymoon in South Africa and then five years living on a farm Edward owned in Rhodesia. They returned to Europe in 1938 and moved to County Carlow after World War II. The house Doreen remembers in her account no longer stands at Castlecomer. No members of the Wandersford family live in the town either. However, today you can see the stables of that great house and the amazing domain gardens at Castlecomer Discovery Park. That's it for this episode, folks. I will be away on holidays when this is released and the next show will be out in two weeks with the conclusion of the Fatal Feud series. After that, I'm going to do a couple of shows on one of the most brutal and notorious murders in 19th century Ireland, the Mam Trasna murders. You can find the show on Facebook. That's facebook.com Irish History Podcast or Irish History on Twitter. You can also find tons of articles, podcasts and videos at my website, irishhistorypodcast.ie. Until next time, Sloan. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.